I'm back. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a f***ing toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. Welcome back, Ben. Ben is back. I know it sounded creepy in the video, guys, but we welcome Ben back from his long trip in Missouri. And that being said, how's one cast fishing going? Oh, it's going pretty good. I had to come back here to catch fish, though. <laughs> Were you losing less tackle? Uh, I didn't lose any. Uh, I lost one snagglish jig out there throwing the buck brush, so I didn't really lose any of that stuff. That's a good deal. So head on over to onecastfishing.com. Use the code the onecast to save 10% on all your purchases. And obviously be like Ben and only maybe just lose one jig instead of five. So that's pretty awesome, dude. So how was your trip? It was good. Spent time with the family. Um, helped my dad in the hay a little bit. Uh, spent probably about four or five days fishing and conditions were not good. When you don't have wind for two weeks straight, bluebird skies, transition, water clarity is all jacked up. It just made it difficult. I didn't get skunked every day, but it came awful close a couple of times. So, oh, man. One of the, it, the craziest thing, I don't know if I told you guys, I had five fish hit my topwater baits, a popper and a walking bait, two different days. Not a single treble hook got in any of them. So the real question is, is how many points were on those treble hooks? Did you have full trouble? Yeah, I had, <laughs> rusty I had brand, brand new. The, 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 the mega bass top water was right out of the package. Uh, well, it was, I hadn't fished it before. Uh, they all, you know, so they each had either two or three treble hooks on them. Yeah. Well, if they only had two, then you were missing one. No, no, the poppers only have. Um, What's not a treble hook then? They got a treble hook on them. Treble's three. He meant, a, he meant two full that would treble be a dual hooks. Hook. Oh, two full treble hooks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Do you want about? to give the background on this trade just real quick? So here's the deal, folks. Uh, ben loves to fish at, with a handicap, for sure. He likes to uh, keep his treble hooks nice and filed down. Maybe there's one barb on there. I don't know. He doesn't retie sometimes <laughs> but, for months. But maybe he still, he, But he still goes out and catch fit, catches fish. I will say, uh, for those uh, who don't know, Jimmy Houston, I want to say, is a huge advocate for using barbless hooks. Have you guys seen any of his content that he puts on social media and stuff like that? Yeah, that's that's a pretty mixed bag of, of anglers across yeah. the board. He's he's definitely one of the the louder ones when it comes to that. Uh, and there's merit to it, but I mean, most people are fishing with barbed hooks, and yeah, there's still plenty of fish. So I don't think it's as bad as as a lot of folks want it. So Ben was not fishing with barbless hooks by any means. No, I just wanted no, to throw that not. out there. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I always thought that too. I'm like, man, are the fish getting off because the, you know, the barbs are, are broken down on the hooks. Cause sometimes it happens like you're yeah. fishing, you're not paying attention. And I just threw a, uh, a jig away, not a one cast jig, but I just threw a jig away and I looked at it and the barb was completely broken off. And I was like, I wonder if I was losing the fish because of that. That's or, exactly what. Or I just suck. I don't know. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> no, so. it, I will say this. The the one the craziest one I had, right? A smallmouth hit um, the, the, that topwater walking bait. Came clear out of the water, probably three or four feet. Hit hit the plug and knocked it. He came back because I let it sit there, then twitched it. He took it under the water, about two foot. And I don't know how, because you know the treble hooks, he didn't get snagged. 
Like nothing, just completely. You just had it perfect. Yeah, I don't know what he did, but he hit it, and then he came back a third time and, and hit it on top of the water, and he still didn't get it. But there was another day I had four bass do that during the shad. Are you sure, farm. you had hooks on. Oh, I'm hundred percent positive. <laughs> In fact, after the first day I had that happen with the uh, with the popper or a popping bait, I think it was a KVD splash. Um, that's when I switched over to the walking bait and be like, let's just change out the top water. Let's just give a little different presentation and, and still the same thing happened. So uh, it was just one of those things. Now in bull shoals, uh, do they have true smallmouth in there? Yes. Okay. They, so they have all three species. They've got largemouth, uh, smallmouth and spotted the Northern spotted bass. They're all native there. So Here we go. they all, they all live right next to each other. Okay. So you say the Northern, uh, strain of, of spotted bass, Kentucky bass, Kentucky's yeah. because, uh, go back to our episode with, with, uh, Corey Oakley and, and check that out because we have invasive, uh, uh, small peduncle size spotted bass in, in our systems down there. And that's why I asked you the question. Cause I've never been up to, to bull shoals or table rock or any of the Ozark region and stuff like that. So, um, but maybe, that could be the reason they're throwing them is because now you got the invasive uh, smallmouth hybrid spotted bass deal going on and they just don't like those treble hooks. You know what no. I'm saying? So I, I did catch a lot of gar. <laughs> did you? They don't fight as much as you think they do. So bullshoals is a gar hole. <laughs> yeah. Everything is a gar Confirmed hole. Confirmed is a they've gar got hole. Massive gar in there. <laughs> do and they? Watch them on live scope come to chase your jerk bait. Yeah. I want to try to rip away, but it's also cool to catch a big fish, but, um, they don't fight very much. No, no, like they, a bag of socks. Yeah, they just you kind get of a couple handshakes usually, and maybe a death roll, and then they're about done. Dude, but. so check this out. Uh, I was on uh, the other gar hole, Sharon Harris, last <laughs> night, and uh, it's because I got absolutely destroyed uh, during the last tournament we had on Bugs Island. I caught zero fish, weighed in zero fish. Never happened to me in a tournament before, and I'm like, well today's the day it's got to happen right it's got to happen and uh but so i had to go lay it on them yesterday on harris because they're they're falling into that early summertime pattern they're starting to school up and stuff and i did and uh man i i threw out a a, a deep diving crankbait and i laid into something I'm like oh man i got a giant dude it was not moving and i bring it up to the boat can you imagine what it is just guess take a wild Probably guess a catfish Mm-mm. No. Was it a fish? A pickerel? Dude. I wish it was a catfish. I wish it was a pickerel. It was a pair of nasty, poopy drawers <laughs> that somebody <laughs> must have cracked. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. I'm reeling this thing in on a giant, you know, cashing, deep cranking rod, right? Uh, 12 pound test. That's how I like to throw my deep cranks with 12 pound fluoro. And I bring this up and I'm like, what? I thought it was a plastic bag. And I bring it up and it's got the Hanes sticker on it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my. And it's Good just man. littered with duty. And I'm like, how am I going to manage this one? I would have cut the plug off. No. I touched it. <laughs> I totally touched it. Doo fingers. Like, Doo fingers. Wash it off for good. That you know? would have been the end and, of that. And I had to do, you know, sometimes like when you touch something stinky, you're like, oh man, that's the, what's that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was so disgusting. But yeah. That reminds me of a Dave Chappelle skit that we can't get into because yeah. it's not family friendly. But uh. <laughs> it was bad, dude. Wow. So I wish it would have been a catfish. I wish it had been a gar, but it was definitely Uncle Bob's like crazy crappy underwear in the bottom of the lake. And you know what? I feel bad, 
but I did not put those in my boat and clean the lake that day. Didn't happen. So sorry. It's cotton biodegradable. It's re-littering, littering, and I don't know, but yeah, it's, you know, it's it's a litter. But before we get before we get sorry. All this, this is a terrible time to transition to what I want to talk about. But we're dude anyway. This is a I guess a little bit better than uh, than the uh, poopy George, which you may have experienced if you served. Uh, Trey probably has some stories about that. As a matter of fact, I know he has, uh, 100%. including a Gatorade bottle, but yep. uh, that's not family friendly. So next time you see Trey, if you want to want a story, ask him about that one. Um, but I want to bring up now my buddy, Bobby Edwards down in South Carolina has an organization called for his glory outdoors. Uh, and what they do is they get veterans out on the water, combat veterans. They get them out fishing. Uh, they get them outdoors hunting. Uh, they, they help reconnect them with, with Jesus. If that's not your thing, that's okay. That's, that's, uh, you know their mission, and 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 I agree with it. Uh, but they they get veterans outdoors, try to get them fishing, try to get them hunting, uh, and and one of their big things uh, that started uh, two years ago, uh, they call it the veteran, uh, the second annual Guardian Classic is what it's called this year. So the Guardian Classic uh, is an event they put on, uh, and what it is is a bass fishing tournament on uh, Lake Murray in South Carolina. Uh, they take they're looking for fifty boats optimal. Uh, you can be a veteran or non-veteran as a boater. It's a $125 fee. Uh, first place is guaranteed 1000 They also pay out a big fish to the veteran of $500. Uh, and then the, a captain of a boat, $500 for big fish. Um, they're looking for 50 boats. Uh, anything over that, they'll take a veteran and, and a boater one at a time. Uh, but the first 50 to register, get on the roster, uh, are able to fish that. So if you're anywhere in the area, uh, I, I implore you to, to reach out to Bobby. Uh, he says the best way is to give him a call uh, and his number, and I'll, I'll put this flyer up uh, through the video here, and I'll put it in the link if you're listening and not watching. Uh, his phone number is 850-797-2546. Uh, you can let him know you're interested in fishing the uh, the tournament that he has coming up. Uh, that's on September 9th, 2023. Uh, so it's a uh, Saturday. There's going to be more about this. I'm going to go into the whole background with it. Uh, we're going to have Bobby join us on, on one of our fishing Fridays uh, to, to be able to go into a little bit more detail. But I just want to start getting the word out there. As you know, we're a huge uh, supporter of the veteran community with uh, Ben being a veteran, Trey still being active duty. Lots of our friends are still in uh, or out. We support several other companies. So uh, let's try to make this a big event. Let's make this an even bigger event than it has been. Uh, if you can't fish, if you own a company or you have a sponsor or somebody that might be interested in sending some gear so these vets and, and boaters have some stuff to take home, also reach out to Bobby uh, either at that phone number or the email that's on the flyer that I'll post here. So uh, like I said, we'll talk about it more, but I just wanted to, to give a quick plug because they just announced this the other day. And uh, I think it's a really cool opportunity for us to uh, – to support those that have fought uh, fought for our freedom and served our country in, in any capacity. You know, I think uh, these are, when you're looking to get into a tournament and you're not looking to just go beat the brakes off somebody and you want to do something for the experience over the money, these are events that aren't amplified enough. You know, whether or not it's a veteran event or taking a kid fishing event or first responder, it does not matter. Uh, you know, the elites, uh, MLF, uh, the MPFL, those are your national level tour events. They get visibility for a reason. They run great organizations. 
these these events right here don't get a lot of visibility, but they yep. they should, right? And and of course, uh, there's big companies that are sponsoring these events, like Strike King and Lose and different companies like that. But if you're looking as as your average angler or as a serious tournament angler, but you want to just do this for the experience to hopefully grow the industry one cast at a time. These are events that you want to get into, yeah. right? We ran that spring warrior clash this year. We had 40 something anglers on the water. There's no more warriors on the water. There's a lot of derbies that people can get in with that go to such a great cause. Yeah. And I, and I fully support these events. So, yep. So check them out. Uh, check that one out. Check out all any tournaments around you. And that's a cool one just to add a little bit more to it. But last year they had Brian new fished it. Uh, he said he's going to be back. If anybody doesn't know, he's an elite series angler. Uh, I believe Hank Cherry's fishing it this year. So, um, you know, there's some of those guys you, you're going to get to meet and talk with, and, and they're they're great guys and will share information. So definitely check those out. But while we're talking about elite guys, Ben's favorite fishery Absolutely. tournament just wrapped up down there on the Sabine River in Texas, <laughs> Orange, Texas. Set a record for attendance. Ben, did it get a lot of visibility from your eyes while you were in uh, Missouri? I looked on Bass Tracker. I watched some of the highlights and all. I actually think there was maybe more fish caught than usual. Mm. Um, I mean, the winner had 11 pounds a day, so it didn't change very much. Uh, Giant. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I was uh, I was listening to Scott Martin's podcast. I think they published it before. They were talking about why is the fishery, um, why is there so many small fish? And, yeah. Um, their hypothesis, because I think the same thing as the river down close to Mobile Bay, and I don't remember it off the top of my head, but so many hurricanes and stuff, right, have flooded that area the last, what, decade, mm. 15 years, that that may have, you know, I, I think it was either Canterbury or Air, Air, Matt Area was talking about that. That could have something to do with it. It just it hasn't grown back the way it used it, to be. I mean, it happens here. If you look at the Cape Fear and the Roanoke and all those rivers, I mean, they'll have, right now, the Roanoke, Cape Fear, they're all producing trophy bags of fish. But look at tournament weights seven years ago and it was 11 pounds and that was because we had a hurricane and that was in well not even seven years ago go back five years to before and i can't think of the last hurricane that came i here. think remember it left all them Florence. fish on 40 and everything when it flooded Florence, it, was, yeah. it was terrible for like three years and then the fishery bounced back but that's a that's a rare occurrence for us down there they get those systems that flood those waterways almost yearly and and so that would make sense. It's, I think that's probably a fair hypothesis, you know, with all my weather knowledge and all of that. <laughs> yeah, so there's probably I'm going to agree. There's Scott probably Martin, a bunch the only of, time ever. But no, <laughs> <just kidding. laughs> to be fair, I don't think he's the one who suggested it. I think it was either area or Canterbury. But okay. and then there's probably something to do with it's a river system that I the nutrient level and and, and different stuff and yeah. it gets so hot and all. It looks great, man. It looks like there's just be giants. And yeah, the cypress trees and grass and break walls and. About everything you could want, but... But yeah. it was a grind. It was a grind, but I think this event specifically, and we can talk about the top 10 in a second, but below the top 10 were a lot of anglers that needed this event to make up points for the year. One of those anglers was uh, Caleb Summerall. He's had a pretty... Um, he's had a very bad season 
Um, so he finished 16th in this event and he struggled throughout the season and they got a pretty cool YouTube series. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but, uh, it's like Lee Livesey, Caleb Summerall and, and Logan Latuso. Mm-hmm. They got a really cool, uh, a series going on primarily, uh, focusing around Lee Livesey, but he really needed this event. And then even, uh, and I think Pete talked about it before. This was an event where even John Cruz, like he made, a small move on what was it day two and shot himself he made a huge move, huge yeah. move uh small move as far as uh small fish are concerned but huge move as far as like moving up the leaderboard into the, like the, what was it the 20s or 50s or something like he that lived into the, yeah i mean he had to get into to championship or not champ but he got into saturday so he was top 50 i think yeah. it was i think it was like 24 i think is where he ended up oh is that where he ended up yeah, yeah 18th. 18th yeah but that, yeah, Caleb was 16th. You know, there's a lot of names. Wes Logan was a guy who hadn't had a great year. Yep. Uh, Hackney's been – actually, he's been pretty good this year. But um, David Williams. Yeah. Uh, Brian New had another good tournament. Yep. A, Patrick Walters hasn't had a great year on the elites. I mean, Larry Nixon was 26. Yeah. 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 So you're so this this is why I like this event so much, and I know that there's been a lot of haterade drink on like, uh, you know, fishing the Sabine, but you know, you look at like a guy like Matty Wong who has had a really bad year, mm-hmm. and then he finished in the top ten. Yeah, he was third. He was third. Yeah. You know, he was close to uh, pulling off a W. I don't bash this. it as a fishery to go to. I just don't think it's the most entertaining place yeah, to, it, to and, watch an event. I think probably as an angler, it's great because you have an opportunity if you're struggling. Yeah, you don't need to go out and find a fifty pound bag right uh, or you know a 30 pound bag a day like yeah. if you're if you're going to santee santee yeah, yeah for for instance or even at okeechobee you didn't need a 25 pound yeah. bag to, to be able to compete you can go out and fish and catch 10 pounds and have a shot and so for an angler i think it's probably a huge thing it, it can help you get some momentum because uh, we've talked about how important momentum is in fishing uh, but I do want to say a huge congrats to Brock Mosley, who's finally won one. That dude yeah. is like, yeah. I've always called him like the ninja because he's always floating around, man. He always is, he's a really, really solid, solid angler. And I think they said he had finished second. He's finished six second. times over his career. Last year he was, or the last time they fished Sabine, he was second. Second, yep. Um, so for him to pull it out, I, Clark Wendland was up there in the lead for a while. Would like to see Clark win. He's never won in the lead event. That's right. Uh, you know, his, he never his, won. No, no. and he's got he, a story. he was angle. He was AOY. Uh, yeah, yeah, a couple years ago. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, a storied career. He's fished a bunch of classics. He was an mm-hmm. FLW champ. Uh, I believe he's won an open, but he's never won in an elite series event. So, yeah. so I mean, you look at and that's this is interesting. This is going to take a side conversation, but <laughs> look at guys that haven't won an elite event have been around. G-Man has never won a blue trophy. Nope. And he's been fishing. He's got two Angler of the Year's, never won an Elite Series event. Yep. Uh, so it's truly, I think, the Opens are super hard to win just because of the number of Anglers. But to, to win an Elite Series event and to win multiple, I think that shows the accomplishment that that really yeah. is. Because yeah. Trey and I actually talk about Trey's like, it's really exciting to see new people win. And I'm like, man, new people win every year if you really look at it. Yeah. Like, because there's not many, we're gone are the days of KVD coming in and dominating a five fish tournament. And that's one of the things, as much as people hate four yeah, fish sonar, I think that's one of the things that have helped it's, that. It's really hard to win. Even go look at KVD. I forget the exact number. It's in like 21, 22 career wins. Yeah. And that's since like 91 or 92. Oh, yeah. Out, but know, I mean, like, if you look at when he, like, from what would I say, 95. To he had his hot streak. From 95 to 98. Streak, yeah. I mean, he was winning everything. At, you know, he's had a yeah, period yeah. in there where he was really, really dominant. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Just it, because I think the skill gap 
Not that not everybody's not good. I mean, they're all great. I couldn't go out there and, and win one. But the skill gap for the offshore guys like that, KVD was winning, catching offshore fish, taking northern tactics and doing things other people weren't doing, right? Throwing jerk baits offshore, things like that, yeah. that he learned on smallmouth. That learning curve for the southern guys has gone down because of forward-facing sonar. And I think it's great because it lets other people win. It's more competitive. It's not like, oh, they're going here. KVD is going to win because he's going to go catch 50-pound <laughs> jerkbait in a brush it, pile. It even it. started before that with just oh, the better down imaging and side imaging and, and people realizing they have to get offshore. Yeah, I mean, I'm just if you look at a name that everybody that, that might listen or watch would know, then it would be everybody's going to know Kevin Van. Yep. I mean, you've seen his name. You've seen his advertisement. So I, I do want to say one other thing because, Pete, I agreed with you. You know, my hate for the Sabine comes down as an entertainment factor. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's not a lot of fish, little weights. It's it is a grind. But from an angler, a lot of anglers say they love this event because they really have to put the puzzle pieces together um, to grind out just a few extra ounces. Right? This is uh, uh, a pound and a half fish. You know, if you get on a pound and a fat, you know, a pound and a half, pound and three quarter fish school, that makes a big difference over one pounders that everyone else is catching. Just look at the weights. I mean, third and fourth was eight ounces. Yeah, that's a five thousand dollar difference. Uh, so six and seventh, what's that? Four ounces. Mm. There's another four ounce between eighth and seventh. That's a 2000. So yeah, those ounces there are, are even more crucial and nobody really ran away with it. Brock led, you know, he ended up with about a three pound, but I mean, it was anybody's game coming into the last day. Uh, I did want to see Matt Robertson go tuna fishing, like he said. He was <laughs> <laughs> then he found out he had to go like a hundred and some miles offshore, yeah. and he knew his boat wouldn't make it. But um, it's interesting to to see the the top ten from this. So what I like about this from the entertainment side is it's not all of the events that you see at the beginning of the year, which are all spawn events, which is naturally the case because they got to kick the season off. They got to end before hunting season, certain places are paying or these places are paying bass to be there. But as boring as it may be to sit there and watch a guy live scope, I think sometimes for me, I'm like, yes, he's bed fishing. Like just catch the fish. You know what I'm saying? And most of the time I'm not watching live as it goes on. I'm yeah. watching the highlights and stuff like that. So of course, jacking an eight pounder off a of bed is great. Um, but from the competitive side, like it's just a cool thing to see that leaderboard just have that domino effect across the board. And like, Dude, there's some there's some hammers inside the top ten right now that you don't hear a lot about. Dude, Kenta Kimura. Oh, he's yeah. he's he's like second in anger the yeah. points in the EQs. Yeah. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like he he's dominating. Kyle Welcher, he's the leading AOI for the Elite Series right now. And then you got like, and I feel bad for Hunter Shrock, man. He's never won a blue trophy, but he has been up there so many times, right? Um, and Matty Robertson, same thing with him. And then and then you got Keith Poche. He's he's sitting in fourth, right? So I don't even know what to think about him. I don't even know what to think about Keith Boucher because he's dominating events, but then he's not showing up to some events, and then he's getting DQ'd from some events. I don't know what's going on with him, uh, but he's showing out, and I think he shows out. He really dominates on fisheries that suit his style. This, this yeah. was his style. This that was, was absolutely his style. style. So I don't know if he jumped anything. I don't know if his, his Fenwick-wrapped gator tracks grew wings and flew somewhere. But he absolutely did a great job. He, he jumped some logs and stuff because I saw they did a big drone footage of him running back in a creek, but not anything like uh, like down in 
Texas that got him in trouble. Well, I guess it was <laughs> Texas and Texas. So. Yeah. 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 So we talked about KBD, and uh, I guess we can talk about the MLF. He, they're up there in Cayuga. Uh, lake in in New York, so fishing smallmouth and talk put, about completely different fisheries. Yeah, from, yeah. from the two different um, or two of the major um, pro circuits. Yeah, so he went out and dropped almost a thirty pound bag. Twenty eight one in his group. Uh, twenty five was second. Twenty five third. Five ounces separating them. Uh, and that third, we were just talking about. Well, we took a quick break. Jacob Wheeler who. Ben brought up a great point, and I agree 100%. It's probably the closest thing to KVD that this generation is going to see in the dominance that that guy showed on the water. Yeah. Uh, everybody, he struggled the first couple of events in MLF, and everybody was like, oh, the five fish, he can't do it. Well, he won the last one, and he's right there in this one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Group B is... Uh, group B, where we got Cody Meyer, 26 pounds. Uh, second is Sp- Spencer Sheffield with 26 pounds. Dean Rojas, 25. Like... They are putting some smallies in the boat, man. And that gets me pumped up because I love catching them brown fish. <laughs> it's interesting to see uh, Dean Rojas up there in the leaderboard. I, you know, frog fishing and stuff is really his strong suit. But, you know, Spencer Shuffield just above him, he's a rookie on the deal. And and Cody Meyer, he hasn't been having a fantastic year at all mm-hmm. uh, in, in the Bass Pro Tour. So I like that. when you, And David Dudley, and I think he's the only one that was fishing shallow, from my understanding, that is fishing shallow. So it's interesting. I, I like seeing the leaderboard, uh, you know, move around a lot. And I love seeing these smallmouth catches because, unfortunately, I only caught one at Bull Shoals. <laughs> yeah, you did, and you sent us a picture did of that. Poche, you is Poche fishing the BPT event? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. I bet you one thing, though. I bet you Kevin Van Dam was wishing that those weights didn't reset. Well, he's only up by a couple pounds. They I don't know, reset but still. Until championship day. I know, but I I bet he's wishing, like, dang, man, don't reset my weight. I don't think he's worried weight. about it at all with smallmouth. You have to go to the other group. Pete's looking it up here to see if Poche yeah, made it. I, I would imagine so. Did. He didn't really get the practice, but. Um, Let's see where he's sitting at, though. They're not showing him on there, so he may not be fishing it. Well, well, that's uh. Nope, oh. there he is. He had 19 <laughs> pounds sitting in 22nd. Oh, yeah. dude, Listen. whether you like the guy or not, like I know there's a lot of opinions about Keith Bush out there. The dude can freaking fish. Yeah, he can. He just went to Cayuga with no practice and dropped 19 <laughs> pounds How in an 18 and a half foot <laughs> aluminum boat. How from you, the Sabine River. And, and and they put him on Group A day one. Yeah. Think so. He was on Championship Sunday at the Sabine and River. And it was Fishing Tuesday He's in, in New Cayuga, York. New York. So he went from drastic, nasty Orange County, Texas heat, right? Is it Orange County, Texas? Orange, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Orange, Texas heat up into you're probably wearing a hoodie when you're out there, you know, fishing. But how do you... How do you stay married? Hey, MapQuest still exists. <laughs> how do you stay? <laughs> how do you stay married with children uh, fishing that much? I'll tell you what. I, I, I guarantee you, my, right now, I would be a bachelor on tour fishing because my wife would not stand for I mean, that. He's so. been. You guys keep talking. I'm looking up at how far that drive was. Yeah, and you're uh-huh. literally on. Pete is on MapQuest. That's what I just said. I didn't even. Know I it haven't still seen existed. MapQuest since 1999. And, and there's all these ads on it. <laughs> there's a ton of ads. That just got me all. Why don't you check out Keith Pochet's MySpace when you're done? <laughs> hey, I tried to log into my MySpace like a year ago just to see if it was still around. Golly, man, that's a long haul, and he's running. I think that's. I mean, he might be running a tandem axle trailer on. 
that 18 foot boat, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, that's amazing to see. And that's, you know, like the versatility and the adaptability of the, these anglers on the, the, at the national level is just something that, you know, if, if the opens come to your town, like it came to Bugs Island, right. And in a local one, uh, the EQs or the open there. Um, but if you're that guy or gal that says, you know what? Yeah. Bring them here to, to Sharon. If I said, bring them here to Sharon Harris, I'm going to go ahead and spank them. Well, I very well may spank them at Sharon Harris. Cause it's so close to my house, but you take me anywhere else against these guys and, uh, and put me up against the field. They're going to dominate. Oh yeah. That, that's what I've always said is that you know, some people are just built different. And you yeah. look at business, like there's some people who are built different. Bezos, Musk. Yep. Look at look at sports. LeBron James, I don't know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Some people are just built different. The same thing applies to the fishing industry. Yeah. A pro may come down and a local who's on that lake every single day for 30 years may get a win. Yep. But you take that local 500 miles away and expect him to perform at the same level on a lake he's never been to. Yeah. Right. There's just some people are just made to do certain so, things. So Keith Pochet weighed in Sunday <laughs> and then drove 1,567 miles or 22 hours to Union City. So he would have got, let's say he left at four, five, five Texas time. If he was able to get straight out after weighing, he got there roughly with fuel stops and everything, probably 6 p.m. Monday and launched his boat and fished Tuesday. Remember, he, 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 the, it's 23 hours with the time change. That's true. Well, <laughs> plus off. fuel and everything. So yeah. I said 25, 26 hours. He probably didn't get into New York until Monday, like 8, eight 9 o'clock in the evening. 10, maybe. You know who? And then was on the water, <laughs> group A, day one, fishing on Cayuga Lake. You, How do you even carry enough stuff to go from Sabine River to Clearwater Spot? Let, let's put it this way. <laughs> if I owned Red Bull, which I don't, or any uh, energy drink company, I would be looking at that guy right there and saying, I want to be your title sponsor. I remember John Cox had a huge uh, turnaround like that, but I don't think it was 22 hour drive. I didn't even think about that. That's unbelievable. I, yeah. Props to him, man. He's got to have somebody else driving with him. No, I'm sure he's probably got a, somebody that travels with him, a film, film guy or some social media girl, whatever. He's probably, he's probably taking truck stop, uh, showers. We all know how that goes with dude wipes or baby wipes. He's probably eating, you know, whatever comes across. I mean, I just can't imagine doing that. I mean, just fishing here locally for three days in a row. That last day, Pete and I, we went out on the Roanoke River last Sunday, but I fished Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I, I wanted to sleep for five days after that. I was so worn out. So I can't even imagine uh, that, that kind of trek across the country and fishing like that, man. That takes some serious stamina. I wonder if he got any fish tips. I don't know. Do you think he went to fishtips.com and paid for where uh, are my smallmouth located? Probably would probably be a rules violation. That was a terrible segue. No, that was a great segue. <laughs> I mean, how could it get any better to go up there and catch 19 pounds? Oh, uh, man. Fish tips, I mean, if you want us to uh, advertise for you, go ahead. Cool. Well, uh, Austin, let's what's his name? About- Austin Neely? He's from, he's North Carolina boy. Is he? Started it, yeah. Is okay. He? So let's talk about fish tips. What are yeah. y'all's thoughts on it? But so let's let's tell everyone well, let's what fish say, tips. Yeah, yeah. What is fish tips? So so fish tips and and and, and I didn't know about this. The Trey turned me on to a Bass Talk Lies podcast, and he had Austin Austin there talk about. It. So ultimately, what it is is that you can go on fishtips.com, unspe- unpaid 
plug here, but you can go yeah. on fishtips.com and you can uh, basically buy information. So the, the way Austin pitches it, you know, he's a guide. Um, he's had clients out. They want to rebook, but he's booked up all the time. So he, he, you know, with some some business partners, they set up a platform where you can basically pay uh, an individual who's on the water all the time, a guide, whatever, um, you know, for tips, waypoints, type of, you know, etc. Um, and I think it's gotten to the uh, now to where like tournament, you know, guys who do really well in tournaments and stuff can can put their information up there and make a few extra bucks. So it, so it's a way for. Uh, anglers, guides to to make a little bit more money sharing their information, and it allows other people to go in there and purchase that information to get a uh, hopefully have a better day on the water. Yeah. So if There's I a lot of local stuff on here, so I can see right, I can see the benefit. Um, a you know capitalism, baby. Like go ahead and and start a, a small niche business and and see if you can bring some revenue in. Um, totally support that. If I was not a competitive angler and I wanted to take a kid fishing or wanted to build a guide business or whatever, I could see that being, uh, something that may be beneficial. Yeah. Um, there's probably so many people, uh, if they know about this in the industry that are conflicted on this. Um, and really this is a, this is a hard one though, especially from the tournament side of the house. Like, if you go to fishtips.com and buy fish or, or have someone else buy the fish tips for you and you look at them, like that's clearly violating a rule on the tournament side of the house, right? Yeah. So I would think so, right? You can't get for tournament side, non-public information. Right. So you can't go, and I don't think you can hire a guide nope. in, nope. in the opens. I don't know what the new rule changes if they uh, limited that month, as it's well. It's a month before. Here. It's, it's a month before you. Okay. You can't get information. So, um, yeah, you can't get a guide. Uh, you can't go solicit information because that's, you know, some guys got in trouble for that last year. Mm -hmm. uh, but anything that's public, YouTube videos, uh, articles, all the state waypoints and all, that is all legal open information. Where this gets tricky is that you can pay for it, and ostensibly anyone can pay for it, but as I understand it, some of these anglers can cap out the number of people who can pay for it. Yeah. That's what Awesome is talking about on the website. So not everyone and their mother has access. Maybe it's, you want five people to have this tip or yeah. 10 people, right? And that's where it becomes now not really public information. Yep, that's true. And so, I mean, I think the solution's easy is that tournaments are just going to have to explicitly say, hey, you can't purchase, you know, information and tips. Um, and then, then it's going to be on... I don't know if they can work a back-end deal to make sure competitors are not doing that or not, but it's an honor system, just like you can't solicit information. Yeah. yeah. Check it out. So everybody fishing, uh, you're just going to have to pony up all your account information to the to the organizations. They're going to have to check you're, your financial you're records. Like James, man, there's a lot. But of games you know, I, I can see this being very beneficial for your recreational <laughs> angler, for a guide and stuff like that. If in fact what people are selling you is legitimate, and and I know that. Because uh, I did listen to it, and Austin talked about, like, they do the best they can at, like, going through people's social media profiles and, like, kind of building a portfolio on that indiv individual who wants to sell their tips online or their waypoints or whatever the case may be. But, dude, like, you know as well as I do, anybody could fake the funk. Like, you could, you know, you could post the same picture from the same pond of a fish all the time and say, yep, dude, I'm on, I'm on this lake or whatever. So there is definitely some gray area there, but I mean, I see, I understand 
the concept behind it. Is, is there any Jordan Lake? No, I, I look. There's nothing within. I need to find a lake that I'm familiar with, and I'll just buy it to see if it's like general information. Yeah, the closest um, lake to us is High Rock. High Rock, yeah, um, because like uh, Fish to Moment, um, Johnny at Fish to Moment produces excellent content. Yep. You know, I've I've gotten um, some of his guys, some of his lake breakdowns before, and right if if you've been fishing and tournament fishing for a while. There's nothing really new in it. Like those are all places you probably need to check. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, it just maybe helps narrow you down, kind of like the priority you want to go check them. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting here. And there's different prices, and there's right there's probably a way in there that there's a rating system, and and there's, they're probably going to make it better and refine that over time. But you know, if if you're a guy who is going to a destination lake, never been there, you're only going to be there for a couple of days, like. I, you know, I can understand someone paying money to, 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 to go out there and have a good time. Hey, listen, for those who are on the fishing Facebook pages, like, I don't know, let's throw out like, what is it? The rally bass fishing or whatever mm-hmm. Facebook page people ask all the time on social media. Hey, what are you guys catching them on? I want to take my son fishing. Now, a lot of people use that as an excuse. Say, just tell me where the fish are so I can beat people in a tournament. But regardless, People are very reluctant to share information on social media. They don't want to do it. And in fact, it ends up turning into, why don't you just get on the fish or get on the lake and fish yourself? And, you know, time on the water is going to give you the answer and blah, blah, blah. There are like a handful of people that I see like help out. Like, I think you've helped out before, Pete, with some people. You're not going to give them the exact grid location of where you're going. I don't, I don't put anything going. on a post. I'll DM somebody. Yeah. yeah, DM. But like, you know, there are, there are people in a benign way, asking for tips, right? On social media, they want to know what's going on. More people than not will not tell them anything. Well, now you can just potentially go buy it on fishtips.com, right? So for those of you, I guess uh, Austin's benefiting from all those people not wanting to tell anybody anything, and now he can just, you know, have a website and people can buy it from him. So, um, And and it's not, I mean, that it's way cheaper, but a lot of guys will go get a guide mm -hmm. and then the next day, they're on the guide stuff. That's right. That happens all the time. Yeah. Or a co-angler's on the back of your boat during practice and they tell the other angler where your spots are at. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, uh, really hard to keep secrets anymore. Not sure that all everything needs to be a secret. I think you just need to, uh, you know, pick your battles wisely. I think there's certain things you can tell people like, hey, yeah, man, they're they're on main lake points. They're on secondary points. You know, they're on rock. They're on wood. So, so I think that's the big thing. Like you, you buy information that is a day old, like very recent. And especially if it's from a reputable guide or something that that's yeah. on the water all the time, you can probably dial in areas of the lake. Cause we all know certain areas of the lake will turn on different times that are fishing yeah. better. And, and, and that's where you can probably get the main insight. Cause you can't catch another guy's fish. So like if there's, mm-hmm a waypoint there on a brush pile and you show up there, they may not be there. It may not be feeding, but if you see a bunch of points and there's, you know, this area of the lake, then you can break it down mm-hmm. and then, and then you can go from there. And that's, that saves a lot of, you know, that's why tournament guys are, are not going to be allowed to do this because that saves a lot of time breaking down the body of water. Yeah. yeah. Um, the difference is some of those, the big tournaments and, and like, they always go to the same lakes at the same time of year. Like everyone kind of knows which area turns on, but Again, if you're just going out to a random lake, um, and then I guess I guess local anglers could do this too. But that, yeah, yeah. Pete, I, I'm I'm going to ask you your thoughts on this in just a second. There's two things that 
I, I like to share information with all my friends and I don't share information with everybody, but not everybody asks me information. And trust me, my information is not that great, but there's two things that I'm not going to share with people, especially in a competitive uh, part. I'll share areas. And I'll be like, Hey, they're on rock. They're relating to this type of cover. You know, these are typically the best baits to throw. I'm not going to give you where my bed fish is at if I need to go catch it. And I'm not going to give you where a school is located unless I'm on it first. And then I'll bring you in and be like, Hey, let's fish the school together. But other than that, like, I don't really care. Cause you're right. You can't just go catch someone else's fish unless you show them exactly where the bed fish is at or where at that right time at that right time. And where that school is at, at that right time. Because we're all friends here. We all share information. Yeah, we all share time. schools and stuff. How many times have we shared schools and we showed up there and I'm like, yeah, well, not, not, not happening. They're not, they're not, not happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I told Pete to come down one day cause I was, and he came to the lake just a couple hours after I was crushing him on a spoon. And he's like, I hate this lake. He said, he's, he, in fact, I think he said when we went out there a couple of weeks ago, he goes, Ben freaking lied to me, man. He lied to me. Like they're, they're, he's totally, they're on the other side of the lake. There's right? video proof, but there's absolute proof. I think Pete was just like 10 feet off. And that was it, yeah, they but were, that, that they shut down that but, day. but that is even a thing. So like, even if you, so if I'm going to purchase something, which I'm not, but maybe I will, uh, from fish tips, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. You know, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt because a you believe half of what you see and nothing of what you hear. My old man used to tell me that all the time. And B like a lot of that is on you. Yeah. Somebody can tell you exactly what to do. But if you're not throwing it right, if you're not maneuvering that bait right, if you're not there at the right time, it's all on you. So in defense of fish tips, if you go on there and slaughter them with the reviews, like be cognizant of that. You know what I'm saying? Plus leave us a review too. Uh, what are your thoughts on fish tips? I'm not paying anybody for information, <laughs> but that's me. I mean, I, I guess I see the utility in it if you were if you were going to a new lake or or you just want to go catch fish but it's way too easy to lie first of all somebody just to to be untruthful i don't care how like you said they can look at my social media and look at anything but it doesn't mean i'm giving you the right information yeah you know i could tell you i caught them here and been completely the other end of the lake doing something completely different yeah. uh and and there's plenty of folks i'm not saying anybody that's on there would do that but there's plenty of folks uh that that would go out and do that so you know, if there's a verification process where maybe you have a buddy in that area that goes and checks that spot on that lake and says, yep, there's fish there, you know, I think there has to be more to it than just taking anglers' words for it because I don't trust anybody. I mean, yeah. I just, I just don't. Um, and I'm not going to get – like you, I'm not going to give people exactly what I have going on, even though I'm confident that – if I did, they're probably not going to catch the fish. Well, everyone's got a price uh, because <laughs> no, there, I mean, there's certain depend. First of all, if I'm fishing a tournament against you, I'm probably not going to tell you exactly. I'll tell you what I'm doing. Like yeah. where, I, I'm, I caught them doing this. I caught them doing that. I'm not going to tell you exactly where, but like you said, there's areas where just where I position my boat is the difference between catching a fish or not, regardless of the weather condition. That's just where you need to be set up. And, I'm sure we've all done it where we want to go fish a point or something and you roll up and there's a guy sitting right where the fish are. And you're like, well, this guy's sitting on top of him. He has no idea what he's doing. Well, he doesn't know that he knows they're on main lake points, but he doesn't realize that those fish are there. You know that. So if I tell you, oh yeah, here's the waypoint. They're on this point. It still doesn't tell you like where those fish are on the point. And you talked about it yesterday. 
you know, you were looking at Harris, you thought those fish were going to be in 15 feet of water. And all of a sudden you look on side imaging and you find, well, no, they were slid up. They were in like 10 foot of water. Yep. They weren't where you expected them to be. Not so at all. you tell somebody to go fish that point and say, Hey, they were in 15 foot of water there and they run through there and together. Ain't nothing here. It's a freaking dead sea. Well, no, because they're five foot shallower today yeah. and you just didn't see them on side scan or you didn't look there. Um, you got to graph around still. And it legitimately happened. Like I pulled up after a boat had left because I was waiting to get on that spot and he didn't catch a single fish, but that's because he was about 25 feet off from where the fish were at. Yeah. Right. I, you know, for, for fish tips, um, I think the, the, the important thing. So like, here's a free fish tip for you. If you're going to take a kid fishing and get them on a fish or a, or a fish of their life or anybody for that fact and we're not competing like dude i'm gonna tell you exactly where to take that person because that's just the kind of person i am but the best fish tip advice is is really just go spend time on the water that's free free fish tips right just go spend You're time in the water. heartbroke a lot yeah try to catch it, another person's fish. And, and look i i've benefited from tips before so when mm -hmm. i when i got out of the army i went down to the harris chain and i spent the first day and a half this is the second time i went down there i think um, going like Beauclair and, and, um, Eustace and I caught one or two fish, you know, I was punching shallow. Like I didn't, it was my first time down there. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, uh, I was the first time on the Harris chain. I'd only been to Okeechobee before and they were kind of spawning. And so I posted on the Facebook group, Hey, I just got out of the army, just looking kind of the areas. And the guy, you know, gave me go to this area mm -hmm. generally in here with the eel grass and. Sure enough, we caught a lot of fish, and Sam you know, flipping crickets came down. And we caught a lot of fish. We didn't we didn't catch any giants, but um, had an awesome few days out there. But at a body of water that large, I don't know if I would ever really figured it out. I don't know if I would have went the hour, hour and a half boat ride over there, yeah. right? Because going through all the canals. But that's where I needed to go, and um, you know, so I'm forever grateful for that for that tip just to go go up in that general area and fish the eelgrass. And of course you had to dial in exactly where they were and they moved around every day up there, you know, the schools and all, but, um, there's a time and place for it. I think on both sides, like for the person requesting, and, and, and this is off the fish tip topic. If you want to go on to fish tips and buy information, go for it, right? That's it's public. You can go do that. But the approach from both the requester and the person that is going to give information, they get, there's an approach to it. It's not, hey, Pete, give me all your waypoints. Or, hey, Pete, I've never been to this lake before. Do you mind giving me some advice? They're two different requests. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. One is like, I'm entitled to this. You should tell me exactly what I want to know. Or I'm trying to become a better angler and figure this out. And any advice you have may help me. You know, two different messages. Yep. And I do want to add one more point to this is that you know, we were talking about different ways in the fish industry. This is just another avenue for someone to become a professional angler. So, so now guides have a, an additional revenue stream. I think Milliken's on there, right? You, you may start seeing. Maybe, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I remember him talking about Milliken all in the mm -hmm. podcast. Um, but you know, unless they change the rules, you may start seeing higher level competitors. You know, do post tournament breaks down and give them the juice where they more than what you see on live and stuff, right? And I have, I have no problem with that because. Right, they're trying to make a check to be able to compete in the next event. So, there, there's um, 
right? Milliken gives it all away, I, you know, anyway, on YouTube, YouTube yeah. you know, for free. But so he may not, I don't know. He was talking about him on the podcast and I, I know you remember Liz hearing that part. But again, like an open angler who does really well, wants to put it up there. I mean, he's probably not going back there in a long time. And yep. if it helps him make a little bit of money so he can pay the gas bill to compete the next one. I mean, I completely understand that. How many guide services are going to pony up their tips and how many aren't and how many, and those who don't are going to be seriously upset from a business perspective, right? Because now as a guide service, you are competing with other guide services to get people on fish. So I wonder if that's going to create kind of like the Uber taxi dilemma that you had in Europe where the taxi drivers were calling Uber drivers and faking that they needed a ride and then beat the crap out of them when they show up because they were monopolizing the industry. You know, there is some second and third order effects that could come from this from a business perspective. Yeah. I th- you know, I, if, if a guide gets upset about another guide doing that, then they weren't much of a guide. <laughs> no, I, because guy, the good guides all share information because they all want their clients to do well and they all want their clients to catch fish because if I'm booked, I'm going to send you to, to, to uh, Ben, if if you're booked, you're going to send somebody to me. Uh, so we share information. We know where the fish are. Uh, the guys that go on social media and act all angry about stuff going on, they're just doing it to try to get clicks and people to pay attention to them. Yeah. Um, so I, it's like that whole fake outrage when social stuff goes on in the <laughs> world a, and people act upset about things when you really know. You're like, I know that guy. He could give two dams about what's going on there, but he's making a big deal of it on, on social media. Like, I, I think a lot of it's that. I guarantee you a lot of them probably were, the, were angry about LifeScope when it first came out. I know they love it. Now most of them probably converted over. Same thing about Alabama rigs and tournaments. You know, it, it all, right. It's like, I, I look at like, I just look at stuff that goes on social media. I look at Josh Jones, like, and people are all running their mouths saying how he can't catch big fish on I, uh, anywhere but Ivy. Oh, only on oh, Ivy. And then he just went and fished his home lake in Oklahoma, caught a 14-pounder. <laughs> like one of the biggest fish caught in Oklahoma in 40 years. Like, no, it's not just one lake. Like dudes and girls, guys, gals, whatever they are, if they know how to fish, like they're going to catch fish wherever they go. Yeah. And they I know too. what to look for. They know how the fish set up. They know the body of water. Uh, and I don't think anybody... If you ever have the opportunity to sit with somebody that's fishing and open, like in the EQs, or that is an elite angler, or uh, an invitational, or uh, those high levels, MPFL, sit and talk to them about what goes into preparing before they even get to the lake, and how much time they spend reading forums, and looking at maps, and, and doing all that, like... We have... People have no idea the amount of work that these folks put in before a tournament, it doesn't matter if they bought it by a tip or not because it's something they probably already know. Yeah. But you know, I understand keeping it illegal and all that, but like the, the amount of detail, it's kind of along the same lines with that. But like these guys making the long runs at the Sabine this yeah. past weekend, they have found ways like you, you pump up the gas in your boat, but then you rock the boat and move it a little bit. So you can get an extra four gallons cause it fills all the hose. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's strategy, man. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know. Like, and you said like, yeah, no one will, they shouldn't be upset or they're probably, it's not probably not going to be an issue. That's in a, like a perfect business world, but oh, you I know, know, but you know, the fishing industry has a lot of drama and there will be some negative stuff that comes out of this, but you know, on the non-competitive side and the non-business side, just the recreational side, I think it's, I think it's fine. 
I think if you want to pay for some tips and figure out what's going on instead of instead of paying for a guide, and maybe this is going to make guide services lose money, right? Because now many a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't need to pay three hundred dollars a day for a guide. I can pay fifty bucks for some tips and go out there. You know, there, there's all that'll last. That's that's why they limit how many people can buy. Probably. Not only that, but also like you have to know where to set the boat and how they're not yeah. they're not giving that. I doubt. They're giving that. I mean, look at how much free content's on YouTube. I had people get mad at me when I was doing a lot of those YouTube videos like two or three years ago, showing where all the juice was and like Jordan and places. Like, like why are you showing them? All you got to like, do is boat ride around Jordan on a Tuesday yeah. night and you know every point there's fish on. Yeah, from exactly. Here I, still, I still have to ask Ben, but still, you know. <laughs> But I mean, like, yeah, you're right there. That is the the kind of the weird thing, though, is there is so much content out there. If you watch the elites, if you watch the MPFL, if you watch uh, the BPT, like there's cameras everywhere. You should, especially at these destination lakes, you should be able to kind of break it down. If you watch YouTube, if you watch, if you watch the social media posts, I mean, man, there's so much information out there. I guess maybe that is kind of the point, though. There is so much information out there. It's overload. And so you don't know which you don't know, but if you go to one website and it's like, yep, this is where you need to go, makes it a little bit easier, maybe spend less time trolling through social or scrolling, trolling, scrolling through social media and stuff. So scrolling scrolling or trolling. I think we'll have to let it mature a little bit and see yeah. what comes of it and start seeing people's reviews. And I think we need to buy one. I think we just need to go ahead. There's nothing close. If something pops up close, I let's, might buy Let's it take a trip to, up to James. We could. I mean, we could buy like Lake James and run over there and see. I mean, yeah. I'd rather go somewhere we've never been, like Chatoog or something like that. Just we to- should totally go to Chatoog. We're totally off topic, but yeah, well, that's the know. whole point of <laughs> being our podcast. We can talk about whatever we want, and if you don't want to listen, then listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just listen because we're we're dropping gems. Yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> it's it's opened our Basically, eyes. Basically, just ask Trey Nice, and he'll tell you anything you want to. Know. Anything you want to know, like don't. Like go off of what I tell you though, because you might zero in a tournament. So, and if you're gonna fish Carolina Lakes, hit Ben up because he's definitely got that doubt in. No, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I I came back here to catch fish and I caught fish, but there's too much grass now. Yeah. Oh, says no spray? angler ever. Would, no. So all the grass from like zero, so we're on the bank to like four foot, five foot is all dead because they sprayed it. But from like five foot to like 12 foot, I mean, we got coontail growing up to like four feet. Wow. And, it, you know, there's entire massive sections of the lake is just, there's almost walls of grass in place. And so we're, really what you have to do is get out there on your live scope and move around till you see, okay, there's bait here. So throw around that area for a bit. And if mm-hmm. you don't get bit, move on to the next little patch. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of times the bigger fish are down in the grass and you can't see them until you get a reaction strike or something out unless they're up actually feeding at the moment. So it's a lot of um, going around, just looking around, spending a lot of time with your neck looking down, trying to find the right areas to cast to. Do you have anything more specific or do you want to put it on fish tips? I think you should put your grass patches. It's got to be public. And exactly. Water, hey, there's public people living there. <laughs> but maybe somebody bought the juicer. But when I when I went out um Thursday, Friday, no, once whenever I went out Tuesday, whenever that was, uh, one of the kids who used to use some of those when we had soft plastics and all, uh, he caught like well my scale. He came over and my scale his batteries were dead because I haven't used it in so long. But it was like a, a six, nine or seven pound fish. Really? He caught off a little ledge out there. And there wasn't a lot of grass where that was. Yeah. I went and fished it later the next day and 
uh, they they weren't any there when I fished it. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take an air tag and drop it in like Terry Baker's boat. And I'm just going to sell all your spots, Terry. (laughs) You know what? That that's funny though, because that kid gave you a free fish tip and you went there and didn't catch anything. Exactly. I mean, no, I, I saw him there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I was catching a couple, I think I caught a three and four. I was like, Oh, okay. I was, and he stopped. I was going to tell him to go over there and fit. He's like, Oh, he had a seven pounder in the live well. I was yeah. like, dang, that's yeah. awesome. So many people ask me about this. They're like, why do you catch fish and throw them back? You know, doesn't that get boring? And I'm like, dude, it's not catching, catching fish is exciting, but putting the pattern together, even after four or five hours and you're like, wow, finally it worked out. That's what keeps me coming back for more. And, uh, that's, that's my other free fish tip is if, if you want the chase, then that is going to get you addicted that's to this industry. Sucks when you put that together at like 215 on a tournament day. No, dude, cuz we check in at you're two. like I just figured it out. Yeah. And you hear it all the time at the ramp like I figured them out too late in the day and it's really yep. true. I mean, I I can tell you a number of times where I either have a small bag or I don't have a limit and it's like I just couldn't find nothing and then at 215 I get on a bite but I got a 30 minute run and it's yeah. like catch what you can as quick as you can and and just get back to weighing. So There is something about especially summertime fishing there's a bite window like two to three o'clock. It turns on again oh, yeah. for a little bit, then it dies off to about five or six o'clock. Yeah, and this but- is why I can't stand checking in at two. I check in it to like our tournaments, we check in at two. And it, I know from two to three, it's like a prime time, yeah. especially during the summer. We're always three for our stuff. Oh man, we blast off at zero dark 30 and, and, and it goes to two and, and I'm always the first flight because anyways, uh, yeah, man, freaking just go chase the fish, figure out the puzzle and, uh, and, and then sell your fish tips, I guess. You know what I'm saying? So do you set your own price on there for tips? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna have to I don't know. I don't, I'm going to withhold a, a true opinion. I know I had I had one off air that was rather <laughs> rather disturbing. Not disturbing, but opinionated. But you know, the more I think about it, and you, you guys brought up a lot of good points, I kind of want to see where it goes. Like if, if folks are having success, and I think it's awesome. Like Ben said, it's a way to, to get a little bit of extra money in, in some in a fisherman's pocket, uh, and it's a way to get people on fish that may not have caught fish otherwise so yeah uh, it'll be interesting to see as it matures because it seems like it just kind of launched in the last month or so i don't know the exact date but yeah the first i heard of it was you you messaged us about the btl and i haven't listened to that one but real quick before we we come to an end here because we're kind of running out of uh out of time and, and we've covered our topics speaking of bass talk live did did anybody watch the bass talk live millican work that drama out I didn't watch it, but I did listen to some portions of it uh, when I, after I zeroed on Bugs Island. How was it? I thought it was mature, and in in both uh, Matt and Ben um, taking the time to actually create dialogue and talk about each individual perspective and what they thought was right, and then coming to a mutual agreement. So. And, yeah, I thought it was good though. So for anybody that doesn't know, yeah, because I, I I'm uh, lost. <laughs> during the it was the last open, so on Wheeler, and apparently this happened somewhere else as well. Uh, essentially, every point Milliken pulled up and started fishing, Matt Pangrak with Bass Talk Live would pull his boat up and fish the same point. Uh, there was one point where he was casting over Milliken's line, uh, and Milliken's breakdown after Wheeler, he says something about it. 
Like, uh, well, I guess I can't fish anything. He put a post on social media about, you know, people following follow, whole buzzards or what he calls them, you know. Yeah. Whole buzzards kept me from being able to fish my stuff. Uh, I have to cast over other people's lines. And it came to, to head who it was. And it was it was Matt with Bass Talk Live and it was Ben. And, and so they, I mean, they got together on air and hashed it out for the world. So uh, regardless of what side of the, the coin you took on that incident, uh, if you watched, if, you, if you're a Milliken fan, if you're a Matt fan, if you're not a fan of either one, uh, like I thought it was really big of them and a huge positive thing that happened to the sport that they were able to sit down like men and talk the issue out like adults. I'm I'm going to have to check that out because the way you described it, if somebody's already there and you pull up after like, that's like a, a no, no. Right. Yeah. And it, it was apparently like, I didn't get to watch either. Yeah. Cool video, so, but. so Ben was there day one. He was like boat number four blasted off. They reverse order on yeah, number okay. two. He got like boat 220 or something like that way down there. However, right before takeoff, Matt said, hey, I'm going to go fish the, that area. I'm going to go fish there because I also found fish on there as well. Ben said, okay, dude. And he goes, but just pull up. Like when you get there, just just pull up and, and we'll fish it together. Well, the the issue was is Matt was sitting on top of a shoal or a, a high point in the lake and it's like only four or six feet of water. And Ben, when he got there, told Matt, he goes, Hey, you're you're actually sitting on top of where the fish are at, where I want to cast. And so when the snapshot was taken, it was taken by Ben's camera guy and Matt happened to be in the background. And that was the picture that they posted about whole buzzards. And so then you can see the confusion there and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. They worked it out. And and you're right, Pete, they worked it out like two grown men, two adults, two professionals. That was just one point there. There were multiple. Oh, there were, there were multiple things, but you know, I mean, obviously we're, we're kind of plugging their stuff here, but like, it's good stuff. It's it's good stuff to listen to because that is exactly how, uh, we believe you should handle business, right? Yeah. Create that dialogue, create that opportunity through podcast platforms and things like that to get your stuff out there so that there's no confusion because you post a picture, it's either worth a thousand good words or a thousand bad words. Yeah. And we all know exactly how that works out on it, social media. That is always interesting how they handle scenarios like that, where yep. a guy is on fish day one, day two, good reverse order. They both found the same fish in practice. It happens a lot on like ledge fishing lakes and all. Because yeah. I remember Kentucky Lake several years ago and he came down, they were the fishing the same stuff, the championship Sunday, and you had your boat had to be in one position to make the right cast. And whoever had the fa- faster boat got there first, and the other guy, I think they were fishing bumper to bumper, and the other guy who got there second, just because his boat was that much out of position, didn't catch a fish and had yep. to go go someplace else. It just, yep. sometimes it works out like that. Yeah, that is, man. But it, uh, the tip is like, let's just do what they did and grow the industry at one cast at a time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So you guys got anything else? No, man. Yeah. Welcome back, Ben. Appreciate you uh, jumping in here from Missouri. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Glad you made it back. All right. Glad you uh, have all six points on those treble hooks. And uh, too bad you didn't catch more. But hey, at least you caught some. Yeah. I'll end with this. The craziest thing. I, I caught that. Caught a small mouth in like 15 foot. There was four others with it. And as I was reeling it in, I was watching on LifeScope. They turned, went off the ledge into like 100 foot of water. Mm. I watched them do it. I heard them pings. Mm. Well, it was, at, it was after mm. because I kept. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. Feel like it's going to be a bad day.